0: This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.
1: Good to see all of you here. I'm as confused as Ray because there's another family not in their pew. And it's great to have some mix up stuff. For those of you who are visiting with us, um, I'm not Jason Darden. He's about this tall, and he may be watching, so maybe he's really this tall, I don't know. My name is Ed Bush. I have been worshiping here with the church since January. My wife and I moved back here from Houston, Texas. We used to live in Orange County. I preached at the South County Church of Christ for a few years back in 2005. I see you. Welcome. Glad you're here this morning. Um, 2005, we moved here in March. And I preached for the South County Church of Christ. We used to meet right across the five at a little school in the New York. And I worshiped with the church there and preached until 2009. In 2009, I turned 50 years old. And there's a verse of scripture in the book of Numbers in chapter eight, I think it's in verse 32. It says the priests, when they turn 50, should no longer do the work in the temple. They should retire. And so I took God at his word because you see, when I was living in Montgomery, Alabama back in the early 80s there was a guy who preached at the church at the Highland Church of Christ his name was Joe Beam some of you guys may know Joe we worshiped with the church there I'd gone to Harding University I wanted to preach and we were going to church there I was working at Alabama Christian College which is now Faulkner University and I told Joe I said I want to preach he said you can't I'm like what do you mean I can't I got this bachelor's degree from Harding University and I've studied to be a minister I studied Bible and religion at Harding and Jimmy Allen taught me and Neil Pryor taught me and all those great great guys that were Harding back in the day. He said, you can't. And I'm like, why not? He said, because there's this verse of scripture that says when Jesus was about 30, he began his ministry. He said, are you that good? And I said, no. And so I waited until I was about 30. So I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. My wife and I did. We took our family there. I was working, doing a little construction work, building little mini barns in people's backyards, one of the elders at the church at the Campus Church of Christ, H.A. Fincher, called me one day. He said, Ed, I understand you want to be a preacher. I said, yes, I do. He said, I have the perfect church for you. It's in Alpharetta. He said, they need someone. So my wife and I decided we'd go there and check it out. My wife and I, my two boys, Matt and Thomas, we go to the Alpharetta Church of Christ with Khaki and H.A. Fincher. And out of the group of people that were there, we, we comprised about 50% of the church there were about 14 people, 16 people there that day, six of whom were visitors, my family and H.A. and his wife Kaki. So I started with that church and I preached for almost 25 years and then I turned 50. And I've been in ministry ever since then. And that's what I'd like to talk with you about today. Because see, this is really about your life. That's really what it's all about. Have you ever really wondered? what life is about. You know, sometimes we wake up and we wonder, what am I gonna do? Uh, How many of you have ever gone to college? A few of you have gone to college. Did you work in your career path once you finished college and did you stay in that career path that you studied in college for the rest of your life? Very few people do. Now, if you're a doctor, we hope you did. (laughs) If you're a dentist, we certainly hope you went to dental school and are still practicing dentistry. Uh, But there are a lot of us who go to college and we study something and we never stay in that field of study because we're not sure what we're going to do. We're not sure what we're going to do when we grow up. We're not not sure what we're going to do when we finish with college. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And so we wonder what life is all about. And so we begin to chase the dreams that America fills us with. From the marketing agencies on Fifth Avenue in New York City, we chase the dream to acquire the house. By the way, do you think that's a cabin in the woods or is that a nice house? Well, I can tell you for a fact that's a cabin in the woods because I stole that picture from a cabin in the woods magazine. (laughs) And so depending upon what you see will determine what you get. Sometimes we focus on our jobs and we think that our life is all about our jobs. And those of us especially, forgive me, ladies, but for those of us men who seem to be the breadwinners, sometimes more often the greater breadwinners in our family, we spend way too much time at work not because necessarily we want to, because sometimes we're forced to because the job requires it of us. And it becomes all-consuming and it's everything about us and it's everything that we think about and when we come home we talk about it. And when we come home we can't put our computers down because we're still sending those 17 emails, replies to them that we didn't get finished that morning or that afternoon and we take it home with us and at 10 o'clock at night we close the lid to the laptop and we crash on the couch or we crash on on the sofa or we crash on the lounge chair and somebody elbows us and says, hey, Fred, go to bed. And sometimes, we think life is all about relationships, and we spend our entire lives trying to build relationships, trying to feel good about people liking us, trying to make sure that we all fit in. And then sometimes, we don't even know what life is, and we just decide, well, life is by my rules, and it's what I want that's going to matter. And that can get us in a lot of trouble, because when we think that life is all about us and life is all about our rules, all of a sudden, we begin asking the wrong questions. I learned a long, long long time ago that if you stand your ladder up against the wrong window and climb to the top, you're gonna realize when you get to the top, you're in the wrong place. And sometimes we climb all the way to the top of our career, professions, with those relationships, whatever, we climb to the top, hoping and praying that when we get there, we found it. And all of a sudden we realize we've been asking the wrong questions all those lives. And so sometimes, sometimes the questions are complicated and yet the answers are very simple. And so this morning I wanna talk with you about a simple answer to a lifelong question. What is life all about? Because I think it's simple. I don't think God intended for this to be very complicated. I think we are the ones who complicate things. After all, was it not Adam and Eve who complicated the situation in the garden? And so sometimes the questions get more difficult, and they get harder. And sometimes, because life is so hard, we have to literally run for our lives. I want to share a short video with you this morning to give you a glimpse into the insights, what we're talking about. My hat's off to Mike, our sound guy, our computer genius extraordinaire. Because if it hadn't been for him, we wouldn't be seeing any of this stuff right now. Because I walked in here this morning at 8.45 and said, Hey, Mike, I got a PowerPoint. He's like, Hey, I didn't know you are bringing one. I'm like, Surprise! I want to share this video with you because it speaks directly to what I want to talk with you about this morning.
0: We have got to lay our lives down for the purposes of God. This is not a Sunday school picnic, the Church of Jesus Christ. This is not an invitation to have continuous good times. This is a war for the souls of men. Come out from among them. Run for your life. Because this is about your life. It's not just about an opposing theology or a conflicting viewpoint on Jesus. This is about your life. is forever branded with the story that I heard of police officers from the city of New York. As as people were fleeing from a crumbling building, there were police officers and firemen and others that were running towards the building saying, Run for your life! At their own peril. And in some cases, I believe they knew they were going to die, but there was a sense of duty. I was crying out to God, I said, God, oh Jesus, don't let my sense of duty be less for your kingdom than these beloved firemen and policemen were for those that are perishing in the falling tower. We're living in a generation when truth is falling into the streets. I want to be among those that are not running away from the conflict but running into the conflict and saying run for your life run from gospels that focus only on success and prosperity run run from those who use the name of Christ only for his personal gain run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus run from Gospels that only focus on self-improvement. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run! Body of Christ, run! Get out! Don't touch the unclean things! Run! From churches in America and Canada where there is no Bible! There's no cross in the theology. There's no soul-searching word. There's no repentance from sin. There's no mention of the blood of Jesus. Run! It's unclean. Run! Run from churches where you're comfortable in your sins. If you come into the house of God and you've got sin in your life and you're not convicted of it, you're at a table of devils. Run from pulpits that are filled with political men who are using the pulpit of God for a personal political agenda. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run! Get out! Turn it off! Get away from it! They know nothing of God. Run! Run! From ungodly, spasmodic movements and endless, empty prophesying. Beloved, search, run for your life. Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Run! 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 run!
1: so I've never stopped preaching and I don't stand in a pulpit on Sunday mornings anymore except on the rare occasion when someone's out of town or have an occasion to visit some church but I've never stopped preaching because I want to be one of those that runs into the battle because I want you to know that there's a world all around us who are lost and I have a secret they don't know they're lost And I have another secret. They don't come here to find their way home. When I left the pulpit in 2009, I started selling funerals. Easy progression for a preacher, you know what I'm saying? Talking about people going to heaven forever, and I'm going to help you get there quicker. Sell you the box, sell you the roses, sell you the whole deal. We do it all. But here's what I discovered in conversations with people about those end of life decisions. There's a question that's lurking in the back of their minds. What happens to me when I die? And invariably, the little ladies or the gentlemen or the family with whom I'm visiting, they would ask me, Ed, what did you do before you started selling funerals? And I'm not gonna lie to them. I used to be a minister. And that was the end of the conversation about funerals. Now we started talking about things of faith. And I cannot tell you how many dozens and dozens and dozens of conversations I've had with people about their faith. Because, see, people do want to know. They're just afraid to ask. And so you and I are faced with a little bit of a dichotomy in our churches because we sing the old song sometimes, No Tears in Heaven. You guys
2: remember this song? No tears in heaven, no sorrow's given. All will be glory in that land. There'll be no sadness, all will be gladness. When we shall join that happy band. No tears, no tears, no tears up there. Sorrow and pain will all have flown. No tears, no tears, no tears up there. No tears in heaven will be known. There's only one problem
1: with that. It's not true. We sing a lot of songs sometimes that are sort of partial truths. We don't even know it. Like that old song that we sing sometime. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Remember that song? Does anybody even know what an Ebenezer is? Now, some of you know because you're good Bible students and you studied the word. This is where that song comes from. From the great book of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He'll dwell with them. They'll be His people, and God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning. And we read that, and we think, No tears in heaven. No sorrows given. And we sing that song over and over and over again. Guess what, though? There's more to it than that. And so Sunday after Sunday in our churches of Christ, that many of them look like that all across America. And you may have grown up in that church. We sing that song. But there's another problem. Because you can't get to 21 Revelation until you go through chapter 20. And it says this, And I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. By the way, that's, I think that's why I like the water so much. And that's why I lived on a boat for so long. Because if I'm going to die, I might as well die in the sea because I'm going to be the first to rise. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is a second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. See, that's in chapter 20 before you get to 21. You cannot have God's wiping away all the tears from the heaven of the believers until we endure the day of judgment, guys. And this is what drives me. This is what causes me to never shut up and to never stop talking about Jesus. I don't preach on Sundays much, but I don't stop talking about Jesus. Because every day, God willing, he allows me the opportunity to stand or to sit or to have a conversation with someone. And in the course of that conversation, however small it might be or however great it might be, the name of Jesus comes up. And I have... A personal responsibility to respond to that conversation. Why would there be tears in heaven? Well, let me tell you a secret again. I'll tell you why there's tears in heaven. Because you and I are going to stand there and witness the judgment. And we will see all of those people that we knew. Friends, Family. Neighbors, acquaintances, co-workers, loved ones, brother, sister, mother, father, cousin, divorced. All of those people that we knew, we see them and we will hear God speak to them. And He'll say one of two things. Depart from me, I never knew you. I well, welcome into the joy of the Lord. There's a song we used to sing in our books. It's not here anymore. I think it pained at our hearts too much, and we stopped printing it. But it's this song. You never mentioned him to me. For those of you who grew up in that little white church building in the country, you sang this song.
2: When in the better land Before the bar we stand How deeply grieved our souls will be If any lost one there Should cry in deep despair You never mention him to me You never mention him to me You help me not the way to see, you met me day by day, and knew I was astray, yet never mentioned him to me. Some of you know that song.
1: How do we sleep at night knowing the words to that song? If I ask you to take out your cell phone right now and scroll through the list of contacts on your phone, how many people's names do you have just in your phone with whom you've never spoken in the name of Jesus? I don't know how you get to the day of judgment to God wiping away all the tears without standing on the day of judgment and seeing all of those that we've known have judgment passed. Someone you love, someone that you know, someone with whom you've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to share with them the message of Jesus, you're going to see them stand before God And he will say, I never knew you. And they will turn to you. And as sure as I stand before you right now, they will turn to me. Because I promise you, I have not talked with everyone that I know. And they will say, you never mentioned him to me. You never mentioned him to me. And God will look at them and he will say, depart because I never knew you and we have to experience that guys because it's a part of the judgment because I don't think he's gonna just separate all of us off from the sheep from the goats and say to all the goats see you later after he tells those of us who are the sheep to welcome home good and faithful servant we're gonna get to see it all because why would there be tears for him to walk away why would there be tears So my question is, now what happens? Now what happens? Now that you know about judgment, now that you know that there will be those that you'll stand and see, that you know maybe your own flesh and blood, and you know that they never heard, now what are you going to do? When you consider judgment in heaven and that there will be tears, now what are you going to do? What legacy will you leave? Because you know we all leave a legacy. We will be remembered. What legacy will you leave here when you're gone? I had the opportunity a few months ago to visit Washington DC again. And I walked around the city, literally, walked around the city. Don't even remember how many miles I walked. But I took a few pictures while I was there about the legacy of our country. I want to share a couple of those pictures with you. And I want you to think about the sacrifices that all of those men and women have made that we remember as a country. Who are there, you'll understand the sacrifice they made. And the question for you is simply this can we feel that same death of responsibility in sharing with those that we know about the message of Jesus? Every day, every day you and I have an opportunity to speak with someone. And every single day, God is trying to reach them with the message of Jesus. And He has no other way to do it except through us. We are His children. We are His messengers. We are the only way. Because the majority and vast number of people that you'll ever get to talk to They don't know they're lost. They don't know. They don't know Jesus. And you and I have responsibilities to share the message. We're going to sing a song entitled There's Power in the Blood. Because that blood that Jesus shed on the cross is the only blood that is capable of cleansing us of all of the sins to make everything right so that you and I can stand at the judgment on that great day in the heavens above and hear God say to us well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the Lord it's the only way we get to stand there and hear those words and there are countless millions around us who'll never hear those words when I moved to Houston my boss Brian Bentley We were at lunch one day with a group of folks from the office. And one of them, they knew that I used to preach and was a minister. One of them asked me, Ed, do you miss preaching? And before I could even reply, Brian spoke up quick. He said, Ed preaches every day. And I don't say that to tell you that because of what I do. I offer that to you to encourage you to remember Jesus every day. He is longing to reach those that you know. And you may be the only person that could begin to plant that seed. So my message to you this morning is, this is what life's all about. I don't really think God cares where you work. As long as it's legal and ethical, I don't think He really cares what you do. You could dig ditches. You could be a day trader. You could be an architect because Don must be pretty good at what he does. You might even be retired. God needs us all in the ministry talking with people and bringing them to the blood of Jesus. If there's anything for which we can pray with you this morning, I invite you to come. If there are any of you here We need the prayer of the church. The shepherds are here. They'll greet you. We'll care for you and love on you. Let's stand and sing this song.